Coming up today on It's Time. The person who falls on the stone will be broken. But woe to the man whom the stone falls upon, he will be crushed to powder. So either this, you can come to God and be broken before him, or you can let God's judgment fall on you and you'll be crushed to powder. It's your decision. Welcome to It's Time on CSN International, the daily teaching program of Pastor Mike Kessler from the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho, the home of CSN. Today, Pastor Mike is teaching in 1 Peter chapter 2. We'll be picking up down around verse 6. And starting in 1 Peter 2, 7, we read that the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. With more, here's Pastor Mike. So there's a lot of problems that come out of a self-centered relationship. But but this is the problem, friends. Our society teaches us that. You want it, you want it now. You get it your way. Flame broiled, even. And so you have all these issues that, that come. So if you don't have the logic of God's word, if you don't understand how God works, that he will supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory, that then settles your heart in the world of covetousness, in the world of selfishness, in the world of lust. And therefore you can wait and let God do that. Now he says, if you indeed tasted that the Lord is gracious. He's saying by experience, you know that God is faithful. That's what he's talking about. You know that by 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 the past that God was good to you in the past, He'll be good to you in the future. You say, "Well, I asked I asked God for a I answered to my prayer, and He didn't He didn't answer, and I'm picking my marbles up, and I'm going to go find me another God." You ever seen people like that? It's called a backslide. And what's the backslide caused by? God didn't operate either on your time, or He didn't give you the answer you wanted. That's what happens. But you know what? God's good. So he says, listen, go back to the logic and you know that because, again, if you've tasted, tasted, this word tasted means you've experienced God's goodness, his deliverance. That's why in the Old Testament it says, remember the hole from which you were dug, and the pit from which you were drawn. He's saying, remember that. Don't ever forget God's faithfulness to you in the past. Verse 4. So he says, coming to him... As a lively stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious. This is speaking of Jesus Christ. It's interesting, if you remember back in the book of Daniel, Daniel, when he interpreted a dream for Nebuchadnezzar, and Nebuchadnezzar then makes this great image, he puts it out in the plain, because in the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had, he saw a stone roll out of the mountains and hit the statue and destroy it. Nebuchadnezzar went to bed one night, had a dream, got up in the morning, couldn't remember his dream. But the Bible said it troubled him exceedingly, really bothered him. And, and so he said that, 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 uh, he called all of his magic men in and his soothsayers, his diviners. And he said, I had a dream last night and I don't remember what I dreamed, but it really bothered me. And so I want you to tell me what I dreamed in the interpretation. The magic men said, King, nobody has ever requested such a thing. Tell us the dream and we'll tell you what it means. 
He goes, I can't remember what I dreamed. You tell me, I'm paying you to be smart. Well, they couldn't figure it out. The king said, well, if you can't tell me what my dream, then you're not very smart, so I'll cut your head off. Daniel heard about it, told the boys, don't lose your head. Let's pray. And he went into the king and he said, king, this is, and God showed him what he dreamed. He said, king, what you saw is you saw a great image. It had a head of gold, shoulders of silver, stomach of brass, legs of iron and feet of iron and clay. He said, you, Nebuchadnezzar, are the head of gold, but your empire is going to be replaced by the shoulders of silver and the stomach of brass and the legs of iron and the feet of iron and clay. What does Nebuchadnezzar do? And by the way, so we know the history, and and of course, the legs of iron were the Roman Empire, the last real world-governing empire, and the last world-governing empire, the one speak that last speaking of in the past, but the last world-governing empire will be like a feet of iron and clay, the ten toes held together in a democratic union, most people believe, something like this. So what does Nebuchadnezzar do? He takes the dream that he saw, the statue, and instead of making it like he saw in his dream, he takes and makes it all gold. Daniel said something else. He said, by the way, this statue that you saw in your dream, that rock that rolled out of the hills and hit it and smashed it, that's God. God smashes the governing empires of the world. And the Bible says the rock grew and took over. And this is speaking of the millennial reign of Christ. So what does he do? Out in the valley, out in the plain, it says, he put up a statue. And he made it all gold, not in layers like he saw in his dream. I'm sure him thinking, well, if I make it all gold, that way my empire will never end. But you can't tamper with what God says. So he makes this this statue all gold. And if you remember the story back, he commands everybody to bow down and worship the statue. At the, at the trumpet blast. Well, we remember that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the three Hebrew children, wouldn't do that. And so everybody's bowing down, and in this mass of people, here are three Hebrew children standing, guys standing up. Who are those guys? Bring them to me. And so he challenged them. He said, now listen, if the next time the trumpets blow, and everybody's supposed to worship my golden image, I will uh, not throw you in the fiery furnace. And they said, no, we're not going to do it. <laughs> he says, well, is your God able to deliver you from the fiery furnace? And they said, we don't know if our God will or not. But one thing, we're not going to worship your statue. I like that. He was filled with wrath. He said, heat up the furnace seven times hotter than it's ever been heated up before. And the guys throwing, the soldiers throwing Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the, into the fiery furnace. The Bible says they were killed by the flames that leaped out when the furnace door was opened. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were found inside the furnace. And Nebuchadnezzar says, I thought I told you to throw three guys in there, but there's a fourth in there walking around with them, low as unto the Son of Man. How in the world did Nebuchadnezzar know what the Son of Man looked like? Or had he had a close encounter with God before? I think it's interesting. The Bible says that God works on a person, works on a person's soul, maybe maybe over a period of years, close encounters of the real kind. Where God continued to do that. Well, the Bible then said in this dream, this stone comes down and hits the statue and breaks it. It overtakes everything. Well, interesting here, verse 4. Coming to him as a lively stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious. Now we remember that it talks about in the scripture, 
where it says the cornerstone that the builders rejected is really the chief cornerstone. The chief cornerstone of the building determined where that building would be bent, would be uh, built. Everything was shot off that first corner. It's like they're surveying marks, you might say. So you also, verse 5, as lively stones and, and or living stones. And by the way, th- there's a lot of interesting things in the Bible. It says there's living stones. Here we find. Also, there's living water in John 4. There's living bread in John 6. There's the living way in Hebrews chapter 10. You also is living stones being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. Now, uh, we're a priesthood. What does the priest do? Well, remember in the Old Testament, they represented God to the people and the people to God. And it tells us that... um, they were to intercede for people. They were to mirror who the God was. So that was a, a role that they had. Now, the Bible here says that that's what we are as well, that we're priests. And the Bible says we're like a building together. Now, I always think that's a building. Imagine like a, bl- a brick building or a stone building. And, and there's a stone, and then there's another stone on top of it, another stone. I always thought it would be quite interesting to hold the person up above you without crushing the one below you. But he says, this is the kind of thing it says, being built up as a spiritual house. Therefore, so we find the word therefore again, it is also contained in the scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he who believes on him by will no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. And a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense. It is interesting that many people reject this stone. Jesus spoke about this in Matthew chapter 21, verse 44, as well as Luke 20, 18. And in these two verses, Jesus said this. The person who falls on the stone will be broken. But woe to the man whom the stone falls upon, he will be crushed to powder. So either this, you can come to God and be broken before him, or you can let God's judgment fall on you and you'll be crushed to powder. It's your decision. This is spoken to primarily for the Jewish nation. Now, we as Christians, we come to God and we come to him and we break ourselves. Now, you say, well, what does that mean exactly? We we by nature are selfish. Haven't you noticed that? I love me. We have magazines on the shelves in the store. Self. Me. And you think about that. We, we like us. And we know we, you, you do. You take baths. It's because you like you. You want other people like you too. And we do things to look good. Guys occasionally get haircuts. Women do all kinds of things to look nice. We guys, we like that. And we realize that we want to be like me. I like me. But you see, that also contains an agenda. And you'll find that agenda generally does not go along with the plan and the purpose of God. So where does that leave us then? We have to come to God and say, okay, Lord, I break off myself, my purposes and my desires and my selfishness and the me and the I of this world, and I lay that aside And so, Lord, now you live your life through me. You do through me what you want to accomplish. And the Bible then says that God then lives his life through us. So what we come, Jesus said, we die 
daily. Jesus said, if any man be in me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. What did people do in those days on crosses? They died. <laughs> what does that mean? Well, you die to your purpose and plan and agenda, and we say, okay, God, I'm going to do yours. Now, every one of us, we have jobs tomorrow. Now, God, do you really want me to go to work tomorrow? I don't think so. Let's just stay in bed and eat Doritos. No, we, we, we have that. But what I believe it is, as a Christian, we say, okay, Lord, you have the freedom now in my life to change my plans. And I won't be cussing and swearing at you when you do. So in other words, if I'm on my way someplace, I have a flat tire, it may very well be that God wants me to talk to somebody in different places than normally I'd ever gone because of the flat tire. I remember one time I had a washing machine and it broke. The tube inside twisted off the tub. And after I looked at it and after I priced the new one, I realized, hey, I can fix this. So I took the tube and the tub, and because I didn't at that time have a wire welder, I took it over to a guy that I knew that had one. And so he says, yeah, I'll weld it for you. And so he's welding it, and he gets all done. And I said, thank you. How much do I owe you? And he said, oh, 10 bucks or whatever. And so we began to talk, and I said, "I said, how are you doing anyway? And then he just downloaded on me all the issues in his life and how they weren't right. And as I walked away, I said, you know, Lord, if that had not broken... I would not have gone to talk to this man. And if I wouldn't have talked to this man, this guy in his desperation would have never heard about you. So I said, Lord, next time you want me to go talk to him, don't break my washing machine. Just tell me and I'll go. (laughs) But you know, I'm stubborn and I probably wouldn't do that. The logic of God, I've got to start seeing this life through God's eyes. The stone which the builders rejected is the chief cornerstone. The nation of Israel rejected Jesus, even though all the way through the Old Testament, it prophesied about the Messiah who would come. It's impossible to read Isaiah chapter 53 or Psalms 22 and not come to a conclusion that the one that would come would suffer and be a sacrifice. And yet it's hid from their eyes, the Bible tells us. A stone of stumbling, a rock of offense. And they stumble being disobedient to the word which they were also appointed. It's interesting, they were deliberately and willfully blind to those things. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness unto his marvelous light, who were once were not a people, but now are the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. That's who you are. Never forget that. You were once a nothing, it says, but now you're something. And I like that. You're something. Don't ever forget that you're something to God. He says here, a chosen generation. Do you know what that tells me? That tells me that God chose you and me to be part of his kingdom, knowing all the things wrong as a Christian you would do this past week. Isn't that great to know? That in spite of all the goof-ups that we've done, God still chose us to be part of his kingdom. Which tells me again, God's plan is a lot bigger, a lot bigger than you think. God's logic, seeing it God's way, figuring out how God put it together. I used to have a, I still do, it's on my toolbox. 
When I, when I worked in a body and fender shop, I, I, I had it on my toolbox, and it said, God put it all together. I thought that was an appropriate bumper sticker on a toolbox. But God put it all together. It gives me great hope. We're not a mistake. You're not a mistake. God's got a plan for your life. You say, but Mike, I don't see it right now. In fact, I go through a lot of loneliness because I don't see it. You know, God sees that. God knows that. But God's not forgotten you. And God is working circumstances in your life so that not only will you be blessed, but also those around you will be blessed because it's not about us. It's about Jesus. That's hard. That's not a message that a lot of times we want to hear. We want to hear it's about me. In fact, putting Jesus in my pocket will make me climb to the top. No. Putting Jesus in your life will truly make you a disciple of Christ. And your purposes in this life will be about your Father's business, just as Jesus was in His. So I invite you this morning, if you've not considered Christ in your life, I don't know what you will do on that day of judgment, on that day of eternity. The impact that we have in other people's lives may not necessarily manifest itself tomorrow or even while you're talking to a person. But that observation, as we talked about, the people of the world seeing you, they begin to say there's something more to God than just a Sunday morning experience. But it's a way of life. And that way of life is triggered by the way we look at life through the eyes of God when God, the Bible says, has forgiven our sins came and lived inside of us now, and now there's a new perspective, a new way of living. Jesus said, marvel not in John 3. I say to you, you must be born again. Because being born again, just as you were born the first time, when that water broke, Jesus said a man must be born of the water and of the Spirit. Just as that water broke and out comes the baby. That's the first birth. The second birth is just like it. It's when you, the day you make a declaration, I'm going to turn my life over to God. God, you live your life through me now the way you want to. That's the decision you make. And you say, okay, I want to do that. Okay, God, I want to see this life now through your perspective. Desire the, the logic of God's word. And when you start seeing this world in a different perspective, when you see that in fact there is... A result for every action that we make. You begin to say, I I need to be more prayerfully considering those actions that I make. Because they affect the kingdom of heaven. I invite you to consider that this morning. If you're not a Christian, or you're distant from God, maybe you were one that, well, God didn't answer your prayer immediately, and you thought that God didn't care about you anymore. The Lord's just simply calling you home and saying, I still love you. You want to have something in your life that's going to mean something through eternity, or do you want to just be a flash in the pan? And you begin to think about this as we started off. Since we have this great inheritance, therefore, how should we live? And the things that last forever. Just invite you to consider those things this morning. And so, if you've never accepted the Lord as your Savior, you realize that you need to be forgiven. We're going to pray, and you can pray and ask the Lord to come in your life. And it begins in a prayer, but God will show you your rest of your life and throughout all of eternity. His greatness for you. That's Pastor Mike Kessler with It's Time. I'd like to take this moment to invite you to get your free copy of It's Time to Grow, the new believers booklet written by Pastor Mike. It's Time to Grow answers many of the questions new believers have in a clear and concise manner, followed by the scripture references for each statement made. 
It's Time to Grow can be yours simply by dialing 800-357-4226. That's 1-800-357-4226. Or you can order it online for free at csnradio.com. Don't forget, if you'd like a copy of today's program, you can call our toll-free line I mentioned before, and that's 1-800-357-4226. Also, the daily free podcast is available through iTunes by searching for It's Time in the iTunes Store. On behalf of Pastor Mike and all of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening, and tune in next time for It's Time. It's Time.